Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley, a podcast about making things up, making things happen. I'm really sorry I've been MIA for a number of weeks. I've never gone this long without a podcast. I'm so sorry. Uh, I started a new job, so I've been kind of busy. I will explain what that job is at the end of the podcast during my regular So This Happened segment. Um, my guest this week is a friend of mine from San Francisco. I haven't seen her in a few years, Andrea Carla Michaels. She has a really interesting bunch of stories, for one thing, and she also does a real, lot of really interesting things. She writes crossword puzzles for the New York Times. She works as a namer. She names things, and she has a company called Acme Naming. Uh, she gives away pizza. Um, she has a really funny story about John Lithgow. I don't know if it's Lithgow or Lithgow, but you know what? When you hear her story, I don't think he deserves me figuring out how to pronounce his name properly. Um, before we get into that, I want to thank Michael Shane for the generous donation to my virtual tip jar. It helps me pay for the podcast expenses that come up, and I really appreciate it. If you want to do that, you can do that at DennisAnyone.net. You can also see some fun pictures that go with different podcasts and just other things like that. And all the podcasts are uh, archived there. If you like what you hear, I hope you subscribe. You can follow me on Twitter, at Hensley Dennis. Uh, share it, tell friends, write a review on iTunes. All of that stuff helps keep it going, helps build it, helps reinvigorate it when I take a few weeks off, all that stuff. So uh, without any further ado, here's Andrea Carla Michaels, and I have a feeling I'm going to divide it into two parts because, as you can see, she has a lot of fun stories. All right, enjoy. Hey there, I'm coming to you from my very own living room, and my guest today flew in from San Francisco. It's Andrea Carla Michaels. Yay! Thank you for being here. You're a writer. You are uh, a stand-up comic. You do crossword puzzles. You write crossword puzzles for the New York Times. And your main job is you name stuff. Yes. So you're a very interesting person. First of all, Andrea Carla Michaels, you always go by all three names. I do now because, do you remember when, uh, during the Tiger Woods scandal, and yes. it was mistress number 12, number 13? Right. Right. So, like, mistress number 16 was this porn star, and her name is Holly Sampson, but her her porn name, or she was trying to go legit doing soft uh, Emmanuel or something. Like you do. Like, like one does. And horribly, her soft porn name is Andrea Michaels. Oh, brother. Which is a lot less porny, I think, than Holly Sampson. Holly Sampson screams porny to me. Screams porny. So <laughs> I had to, it used to be if you Googled Andrea Michaels, you... You got me, you got my crossword puzzles, you got the little bits and pieces that I've done. Um, but now, if you Google it, you get mistress number 16, leggy, blonde, who hasn't done anal. I mean, it's this whole... <laughs> horrible, so I... That, yet, as we know, we, I mean, we, we need to hit Google Refresh and see if that's still the case. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. That's so, amazing. So I now am always Andrea Carla Michaels. Right. Uh, nay... Eisenberg. I love it. Now, let's. you do so many interesting things. I want to start with the crossword puzzles, because every time you have one come out, you send an email, and I print it out, and I always do it, and sometimes okay. I don't do as well as other times. But how do you get into writing crossword puzzles? Well, um, I used to solve them. Right. You loved crosswords. I loved crosswords, and then at some point, I thought, oh, I'll make one for my friend Hannah for her birthday. I put Hannah Leader into right. the grid you know happy birthday hannah leader and then i filled in 
the things. It's because um, people always think, well, A, they, sorry, I have something in my eye. People always think that um, they're made by computers or right. whatever. But it's a reverse engineering. What happens is I'll hear a phrase and, uh, like, say, I, I see um, something about uh, the little prince. And then I think, oh, the little prince, the African queen scorpion king right and then i count the letters because they have to be symmetrical they right you start with the long answers i start with the with long the answers. theme they're usually thematic right. yes right. the ones i do are always thematic right. i can't uh friday and saturdays are not themes in uh the new york times they're all the word plays and the clues right I, but i make i make the easy puzzles for the hard newspaper. I'm, right. I'm known as Miss Monday. You're Miss Monday. <laughs> I'm Miss Monday. <laughs> I love Miss Monday. I love Monday. Well, I started out doing them for TV Guide. Those are super easy. They were super easy. They wouldn't give us a byline. That's so, some bullshit. Yeah, so, why? well, just because they didn't want to have to pay us. and I, I'm not sure why, but I, I begged for years. It was like, keep the $50, just put my name, because it, it had $17 million Subscribers, readers subscribers. Yeah. So what I would do is I started putting in the streets of blank Francisco. You know, like every time that was in it, friends would know that's one of my puzzles. But I loved just also that idea of like Jake blank the fat man. Yeah, I love Jake and the fat man. <laughs> right, but it's I just know. Jake blank the fat man. I know. You don't know. So. Jake fuck the fat man. Right. It could, you be, could be. I mean, Jake killed the fat man. Right. Yeah, so. But we go, a TV guy did, wouldn't give you a, a byline and they, 50 bucks a puzzle? Yeah, well, you know, that, I have to say it, the New York Times isn't much better. Oh my god. Yes, because everybody who makes them, uh, we would all do it for free. You all love it so much. We love it, but we don't love it that much. Like the, it's, <laughs> I keep trying to organize the other constructors um, to say, "Look, let's let's unionize or whatever." Yes, exactly. We're all freelancers, and right. so um, actually, I was on the plane not not today, but um, I was going to Florida to see my mother, and the lady next to me said, "You know, asked what I did for a living," and I I was telling her about the crosswords, and she goes, "Oh, like in the magazine?" And I said, "Yes," and we opened the magazine, and I said, look at this. They, they don't even give the constructor a byline. And there was a huge space and everything right. else. Right, it wasn't that reason. No. There's plenty of room. And we're going, not going to run out of ink. <laughs> and it was half done because it was later in the month. Right. And I'm looking at it, and I was like, oh, my God, this is one of my puzzles. Oh, my God. And there was a byline, but it was on the side in, like, that kind of faded... Print. Yeah, I know where it is. Yeah, where it, they usually put the photo credit or whatever. Yes, one third of the size of the clues. Right. You know, and even knowing it was my puzzle, I couldn't read what, what the said. byline was. And I was freaked because, of course, I wasn't paid for it because they had just reprinted it, was it from the it, New York Times. Because it, it's because it was the it wasn't it was the New Delta. York Delta. It was it Delta's was, magazine. Delta's magazine, but they must have had some deal, deal with the New York Times. Yes, and so. Uh, and I was simultaneously thrilled that it was my puzzle right. and freaked out at the coincidence. The woman next to me was completely unfazed. She was like, oh, okay, so that's what you do. <laughs> she didn't understand she that this no. was a magic moment. I hate people like that. Yeah. I don't understand. Right. That's so incredible. I would have like gone down in the plane with like someone... That didn't appreciate the magic of that moment. 
And so I wrote, actually, I wrote to the editor of Delta Magazine, and I said, hey, you know, look, there's room. And uh, they were actually very nice about it. They said, going forward, because I said, you don't pay us, you know. Give, give us, us our line. name. Yeah. So um, they always say, going forward, we will. Yeah. <laughs> I, I should get that embroidered Put on, a pillow. on a pillow. Yes, going Did forward. Did they? I haven't flown Delta since. Okay, but well, we'll find out. Check it out. Check it out if you're on a Delta, Delta plane listening yeah. to this. That's cool, though. That's so random. <clears throat> Why do you love to do that? Is it a mental... I love doing them because of the mental... I don't know, the mental work of it. Yes. You know, as I was driving here, I don't know if you want to let your fans know you live on Clyburn. But I do. I, okay. <laughs> but I don't mind. I passed a, um, a poster for uh, Jason Bourne. Right. And I was like, oh, and I'm going to Clyburn. And I wonder if there are other born identity, Thanks. you know, how can I make that into a puzzle? I think it's just there's there are people like you, like me, that that's how we think. And it's exciting when we see a pattern or something triggers something. Right. And uh, and then I like to think, oh, could that, could that be a puzzle? Yeah. Uh, I'm not doing it purposely or all the time but I'm always I make little ones for Facebook and they all have to be celebrity ones and they all have to have 13 letters across you make them for your own Facebook page or for literally for Facebook for Facebook how can we do them they're called celebrity uh, it's a daily puzzle it's for it's a gateway it's a gateway drug puzzle they're super super easy they're easier than the uh, TV guide ones right but sometimes it's just fun to do it super fast you know right so they have um, it's usually um, uh, like the one that uh, I just did that will be coming out is the natural and then it says Robert Redford Glenn Close uh, you have to find ones where the letters match up right but whenever I see anything if I see Suicide Squad I immediately start counting the letters you know I'm like oh Suicide that's uh, eight letters and, right or seven and Squad is uh, five, so that's twelve. I need a thirteen, you know, whatever. So, um, does it affect you wanting to do other people's puzzles? Do you not do puzzles anymore? Because now you're writing. Oh no, them? no, I love, I love, I still. You're still do in. The, I do the New York Times puzzle every day. Right. Um, sometimes I don't do Sunday because it takes, takes a too long. Yeah. And um, but if it's a friend of mine who uh, has made it, um, then I do it. Um, but I used to. Uh, contribute to a blog uh, every day about trying to give people the constructor's viewpoint and the solver's viewpoint. Because a lot of times people would say, oh, this puzzle sucks. And I'd say, no, see, this is what they were trying to do, blah, blah, blah. Right. But then, um, like most blogs, people got kind of mean. <laughs> yeah, it happens. So is it still Will Shorts? Yes, he's still the editor. What's he like? So he, well, if you want to see what he's like, there's a very good film called Wordplay. I think I saw it. Yeah, and it's all about Will and the... Uh, Was it the competition about, one? The big competition I remember one. that, and somebody forgot, left a square blank, and did you know Zola-esque. all those people? Yes. Well, I, I have since met everybody. Right. Um, the, those competitions, normally I thought, I don't want to Have compete. you ever done them? I did my first one this year... I've had puzzles in them, but it's very dispiriting. You you make a puzzle, and then Will Will um, had me do a puzzle one year, right. and he made me fly to New York on my own time. 
to do, you know, and he was like, don't you, don't you want to have, see 750 people do your puzzle? And I was like, yeah, I'd like to see one person. Uh, yeah, and I'd like for the New York Times to maybe, you know, kick in a little cash. Yeah, yeah. No, they're just, it's sort of crazy. It Did just, you go and watch? I went and it was the highlight of my life, but, um, the top solvers all did it in under three minutes. So, you know, you've poured your heart and art into this whole thing, and and then it was like, you know, bad sex or whatever. It's like over before you yeah. know it. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. But it was really, it actually, he, he told me it would be one of the most fun weekends of my life, and it was. I helped, He also talked me into judging. <laughs> I love it. He seems very convincing. <laughs> he's, he, yeah, everybody does everything for Will because he's, you know, he's, the editor of the New York Times. It's it's really funny. We've actually been friends for twenty five years because I used to make puzzles and games for Games Magazine. I love Games Magazine. Oh, did you grow up? With yes. That? Remember, um, they would have the best games of the year, and then you would know it. There were lots of cool photo things. I think I have a few copies here. You're kidding? No, I love games. Well, Me I... and my friend Jeb Havens are both obsessed with Games Magazine. Well, yeah. they, um, yeah, I used to make easy, well, either movie trivia ones, which you would be great would at love. doing. yeah. Because, uh, you know, I remember, this was before there was Google, but I would go, oh, can you name three movies with purple yeah. in the title? Color Purple, Purple Rain, Purple Rose of Cairo. Boom! And, Bam! Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, so when, so you, when you write, like, a Monday puzzle, how, mm-hmm. many, how many hours does it take? Okay, so actually I have <clears> one coming out. In the LA Times on Wednesday. This coming Wednesday. This coming Next Wednesday. Okay, August, this will be up by then. August 2nd. August 2nd, Wednesday, LA Times. But it's not a typical one. It's sort of about the Olympics. I collaborated with somebody whose dream was to have a puzzle published. That's amazing. I collaborate a lot with people because um, I like it's fun. teaching it's, yeah. people how to do. And But the next one I have in the New York Times is on... Um, is the following Tuesday. Even right. though I miss Monday, I occasionally... You occasionally Tuesday. dabble in Tuesdays. And this one I wrote like six years ago. It's been sitting, gathering dust. Um, but I thought it was sort of a, a cute idea. I, I have... Well, I will spoil it. But it doesn't matter. It's okay. Cares. Yeah. I have phrases that are Sing Sing or New York, New York. And my idea, which... Will totally changed, and I actually kind of like what he did better, I guess. But my idea was that the first sing, they're separated by a a block, and the first sing would be like chant musically, and the second one would be with seven across a prison in upstate New York. Yeah. So that it's sing and sing sing. Right. So they didn't they didn't want to do that. So what they did instead was. they had um, with 21 across a, a prison up in New York. Right. Um, and then they had, and then 21 across says with eight across, um, and then it was another definition for Sing Sing. Oh, wow. That not the prison. Uh, I can't remember why I can't remember. Um, so New York, New York, one was, you know, with eight across Sinatra's theme song. Right. And then, and then 21 across says, with 13 across um, Manhattan. Yeah. Everything. So, so that That's was clever. fun. It was fun, but it was interesting that it was 
not my idea. Right, they kind of twisted your idea a little. Yeah, and so that's why it took so long for it to be published, because yeah. I kept digging in my heels saying, no, the, the whole point is... Is I this. Blah, blah, blah. But then, um, then it didn't get published. So there you go. You're like, I'm going to move this thing, I'm going to move it out. Right, so I deferred to them, and now it's grown on me, and I like what he's done, and I'm not just saying that. That's um, awesome. So, but how, how long would it take you to write a oh. normal puzzle? So... I always kid and say 50 years because it's right. the idea that takes right. forever. Uh, and then once I have the idea and the uh, theme answers match up in right. length, and then, then then it may just take uh, a day or two to to make it. Do you do it on a computer program or do you do it longhand? Well, I did it longhand forever and ever and ever. I, right. I'm very non... Uh, I'm not a lot. You're like Jackie Collins. She I, wrote all her books longhand. Yes, I am exactly like Jackie Collins. <laughs> I was going to say that. Yes, yes. <clears throat> Although I'm not dead. That's true. You're not dead. You're yes. still kicking. Actually, I had my heart skipped a beat. They showed her. And I went to see the absolutely at that, at that movie. movie. Yeah. And suddenly she was there. Oh my god! The end, just a quick uh, throwaway cameo. I think she's floating in a pool. Not oh face God. down. <laughs> not face down, just to clarify. <laughs> yeah. Do, I hear the, A, I hear that movie's not good. No. B, I interviewed Jackie Collins a few times, and she's one of the most gracious people I've ever interviewed, sent thank you notes. Oh. Remember, like, class act. Yeah, she seems Super like class She act. seemed really lovely. Yeah. Yeah, I saw the film. Once again, it was me and, you know, 300 drag queens and a couple people had dressed up as the characters because it was in San Francisco. Well, it sounds like the way to see it. Yes, it is the way to see it, but once again, um, uh, I think when I came to see your film at the Castro, yes. remember how fun that was? It was really fun. Thank you for coming to that, oh, by the way. I don't remember welcome. which one it was. Because I've had so many yeah. show at the Castro. No, I've had it was, a... it was the high school one. Oh, the reunion. Okay, yes. right on. Okay, reunion. Yeah. All right. It was fabulous. They, uh, it was... Um, but I often find myself being, you know, one of two straight women in the sea. And I think that's a beautiful place to be. It, it would be how I would completely like to live my life at all times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but Did the crowd it, turn on this movie? I hear it's not that good. Uh, there was a little talk back at the screen, but... Not really. It was a sneak preview. I see. And I think people were still sort of stunned how awful it was. There was right. a lot of falling down and right. walking into doors. Yeah. And although I have to say I love Joanna Lumley. Yeah. I, I mean, she was she was fantastic. Right. But also, I think you would have had to know a little bit more than I know to understand what all the cameos were. But it was right. just, it was bad. Yeah, I hear that. I hear from people that love the movie. Absad. Yeah, Absad. Now, um, one more question about crosswords. Yes. Do you find ways to sneak in little things that you like? Because, like, yes. if I had a crush on an actor, I'd be like, yes. I'm going to put him in. You yes. know? So, do you find little ways to put your pet yes. things in there? <laughs> And, well, the streets of Blank Francisco was right. how it started, and now, yes, no, I, um, I would say uh, half the clues are private jokes. Private jokes, things uh, that you like. Yes, um, <clears throat> just because, yes, as little shout-outs, because if you have a choice between, if if the word is Adam, yeah, you can either do Eve's bitter half or right. whatever, or. Um, 
but if you love Adam Sandler, you can say Comic Sandler. But yeah. if you're like Adam Driver fan, then it would be you know Driver. And I am and a Driver. Yes. See, and then you can send it to him. Say, did you know you were in the New York Times? this week. Yeah. You want to go on a date? Yes. I think that's a great icebreaker. I put you in a crossword puzzle. Oh, here, I, I do have one more question about yes. crosswords. You can... As a crossword solver, you see certain clues come up again and again because they're those weird short words that are hard or whatever. As a creator, are you like, I'm not going to use that? Are there certain words that you're like, that is so hack, that is so obvious, everyone uses that? Well, here's the problem. That, those are the glue. The that thing all the is, thing you have yes, to. Yes. The reason why... Um, you need in between other words you need desperately words where three out of four letters are vowels right so then it's going to be alo oreo um, omu aria yes over and over and over again there's nothing to be done about that so I try not to hate those because I, I view them it's the glue that's letting you do frenemy Right or, or whatever else is happening. So you make peace with them. I they're the I glue. Am, I am I am at one with uh, right. with mine entrance or whatever. I mean, you do try and avoid them, but what you do then is, or what other constructors do, because I I'm stuck having to do fairly straightforward. On Mondays, I can't get all clever with the clues, unfortunately. Right. So, but you just try and come up with a new fun fact about Oreo. You right. Know. Yeah, Cookies that's cool. Since 1923. It's vegan. Did you know that? Oreos uh, are vegan. I or maybe didn't they're not. know, but I know that they went kosher a few years ago. That's good. Yes. Now, um, do th- when they assign you a puzzle, they're like, this is a Monday. Do they tell you? No, they don't assign. Oh, you it's write them. freelance. And everything I think is a Tuesday, Wednesday, they publish on Monday anyway. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> There's nothing so I can funny. do about it. But what makes it later in the week, it's a, it's a delicate balance. It's something Will decides. But it's how difficult the theme is um, has to match how difficult the clues are. Yeah. So you can't have a fairly straightforward theme and then have crazy words in there. So, um, yeah, so no, it's not assigned. It's, it's not assigned. You freelance and they decide where it goes. Yeah, I've had about 50 puzzles, I guess, in the New York Times, and, and the majority of them have been Mondays. I think right. I've had 20 Mondays or something. That's exciting, uh, though. Yeah. How, is it hard to get in with the New York Times? Yes. He has, so he says, 75 submissions a week, and he can only take seven. Um how did you get in there? Just submitting? So, what happened was, well, I knew him through Games Magazine. Right. And then one day I had what I thought was a cute idea. And actually, it speaks to sneaking in the words thing. I had this idea of earthquakes with that it would say San Andreas Fault across the middle. Right. And earthquake above, aftershock below. Right. But the idea I wanted was to... Um, have there been sort of a tear in the puzzle as though an earthquake had gone through it. Right. So I called Will and I said, I have this idea. And he said, oh, cute, you know, write it up. Now, no way. He's so famous, it's so famous that I have to make entire puzzles, clue them, everything, before I send it in. And then they just go, oh, it doesn't tickle me. And it's a phenomenal amount of work just to type up the clues. So... But this particular one, what he did was, it was very clever. He moved um, 
the middle squares up a third of a square and others down a third. So it looked kind of jagged. And it looked all jagged, but what happened was no one did the puzzle. They thought something was wrong in the paper. Right. Because you don't realize until after you do it. When have you ever seen somebody mess with the layout of a crossword? Right. You're too clever for the room. Well, that first one, uh, I was thinking outside the box. You really were, literally. Although I can't imagine them publishing that now. It just seems like such an institution. Yes. Well, he, he did do it. That's and, awesome. And then, but then when it appeared in a book... It was one of the earlier books, and the computer didn't know how to do it. Right. So, it's it's not on there, so it lost the whole... But it lost yes, the fun. Yes. Oh. But it was it did say Andrea right in the middle of the puzzle. That's good. That was back in the day when the byline... Well, the byline didn't exist in the New York Times even until Will. Good. Yeah. Damn right. And now we have it above the line. Yeah. Still not as big a type as Will's name. But we're there. There you go. We're there. And it, the, the word is constructor. You're a constructor. I'm a constructor. I love that. I think they, in England, I think they call them setters. Oh, interesting. Um, the other thing you do for your living, which is so interesting, is you're a namer. You right. have a company called Acme Naming. Right. And what that would mean is if I, say, I start a company or a bakery, and I don't know what to call myself, and I want to stick out, and I want to find the perfect name, I would come to you and say... Help me name my bakery. And I would just name it Acme Bread. And then just right, name everything and Acme. A, and send me a bill. <laughs> and send you a bill. Yes, that is what I do. If Coke has a new product or somebody has a startup. Um, I wanted... The thing was, I was living in L.A. Right. And I was doing stand-up and making my little puzzles. And that's when and, I met you around 20-something years ago. Yes, unbelievable. Early 90s. Early 90s. Yeah. And I think... I was writing for game shows then, or maybe, or maybe designing women. Yeah, something like know. that. So uh, I was over LA. You were over it. Even you were though, done. Even though I'll probably move back here. That's all right. Selling my building and people are allowed to be over yeah, LA. Yeah, San Francisco has fallen apart. It's well, very also sad. you have to be a gazillionaire to live there, right? You have to be a gazillionaire. It's complete have and have-nots. I mean. Literally nothing in between. I have no yeah. control. But they don't know what to do with me as an old hippie. And yeah. I, I was just telling my friends at dinner, my entire life now is I serve uh, pizza to the homeless. <laughs> that's so amazing. Though. I mean, that's it's it's um, it's it turns out it's, it feels like it's my calling. I've never been actually happier. In some ways. Is it through a volunteer thing? Or? No, I just, I, there was a pizza place down the street from me that I discovered was throwing out their pizza after it was sitting there for three hours. Right. They weren't allowed to sell it. And, uh, but you know, pizza, I mean, pizza lasts. Pizza's good. Pizza lasts many days. So. So you started this them, program. I asked them, I said, you know. Well, I almost had a heart attack. I was in there Christmas Eve, and they, they were, they, while I was waiting for a pizza, they literally took a three-quarter large pizza, pineapple and ham pizza. I'm so fucking hungry right now. <laughs> have you not eaten? I have not eaten. Oh, dinner. we should stop this we, and get... We'll go eat, get, we'll go eat and we'll figure okay. it out, or whatever. We'll figure okay. it out. So, they, um, they threw it out. In front, in of, front of you. The whole thing. The whole thing. And I thought I was going to have a heart attack because I knew there were 30 homeless people within 
12 you could, feet. You could throw the pizza and hit a homeless person. Yes, sadly. And yeah. so I, I said, you know, what, what are you doing? I go, if you'd be willing to put that in a bag without other trash in it, I'd be happy to take it around. And they're this wonderful couple. Uh, they're Algerian and Muslim. It took me a long time before I told them I was Jewish and stuff. But they, they go, oh, no, we heat it for you. We put it in a box. And um, so, anyway, long story short, every day I go. I put on my little gloves. They reheat everything that they have left over. And I just do a big circle in and out of alleys. It's actually for people who can't even get to soup kitchens. I've always worked at a soup kitchen on some right. level. but um, <clears throat> And that's why... Do you see the same people again and again? I try and alternate my route because I, I didn't want people to depend on me. Right. Because I didn't know that at the time that I was going to do it every day or that there would be enough or whatever. I didn't right. want anyone to get dependent. Right. Um, so, but little by little, I realized that there are a lot, a lot of people who have lived on streets near me for years. So, um, actually to tie this into naming, I, I want to start a, or I am going to start, um, a website that just, uh, teaches people, uh, how to adopt a local place in their hood. And what the laws are. That's um, an amazing thing because because I'm sure there's places all over like that. There's yeah. every place like that. And, and how do you do it? And how do you make it easier for them and work for them? And when, what are the laws? I think it's right. incredible. The thing that is, you know, there's plenty of food for everybody. It's it's about distribution, sadly. Right. And so, um, and there are food runners and whatever that go to restaurants and pick up and then bring it to various kitchens. But there was no one who was going, or maybe there are, there might be other people out there that I haven't seen um, that are directly going to somebody who's lying in an alley. I, I don't understand how... Um, how these people have managed to stay alive and everything else. But what the biggest misconception is that that the uh, restaurants um, fear is that someone's going to sue them if they get sick and right. whatever. And first of all, homeless people don't sue. And secondly, people only get sick when they're going through garbage, not when you give them something hot and whatever. And um, But everybody's all freaked over liability sure, of issues. So... The reality is, at least in San Francisco, I don't know what it is in L.A., when I take the pizza, I assume the liability, and I am covered by Good Samaritan laws. There's nothing that can happen to me. And restaurants are also covered by this, but they're very frightened about doing it. So I present it in the sense that, like, give it to me, I'll assume the liability. But the the reality is... Any restaurant and any store actually can give anyone anything at any time. I mean, that's that's just the reality. Right. So any restaurant can say here or any coffee shop here, take take the 20 bagels we're going to throw away uh, and can hand them to you. If they're freaked out about that, they can say uh, five cents, please. You know, and then it's an actual transaction, right? And their liability is is removed. So that's what people have to understand. And once, um, once they understand that, and and people don't have to be crazy. I, I happen to be freelance, and it's right. easy for me. But people can say, "Hey, I'll come Wednesdays at five, right. You know, or whatever. People can do it. So what's happened is the reason why I haven't made the website 
in addition to my inability to, right. is that I keep changing the name. That's so funny. Of, you're you're the person that call you... it. Yeah, because I wanted to call it food first. Right. That's just you know because that's the deal. Um, right. It, until people eat, they can't make any other decisions. Right. About getting to a shelter or getting off drugs or you know whatever. But there's some nutrition website already called that that has nothing to do with anything. And right. It's, so then for a while when I was. Uh, going to be going out of town and I was fretting who was going to do this and Yazid who owns the pizza place says you need more foot soldiers and I said I need more food soldiers so for a while that was the name yeah you know, battling on the front line of hunger blah 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 food but, soldiers but and I love that I was able to get foodsoldiers.org it wasn't taken but after a while it started to chafe I, I didn't want to have a military metaphor yeah even though it was a positive one sure I just didn't want to then for a while, when I originally started, I wanted to call it uh, Waste Not, why, why Not, or Waste Not, Want Not, Why Not. Yeah. A little unwieldy. So, uh, and then I had this idea, because I don't think it's really homeless is the issue. Um, I, I think of people as have-nots, and the nots, the N-O-T-S, I know in my head, stands for Neighbors on the Streets. Right. Because that's what it is. These are your neighbors. Right. They're on the street. So I would love, except it sounds negative, have-nots. But in a sense, you know, we're all have-nots. We all right. have neighbors on the streets. So, and especially in San Francisco, which has become a city of have and have-nots, I like the idea that we're all have-nots. Yeah. But you don't really want to call your thing have-nots. Yeah. Um, so my dilemma, so then, of course... I just haven't done anything. Well, you'll, just, you will land on it and you will know what it is. Yeah. And it happens anyway. You know, it happens organically. A gal from Walgreens saw me doing it one day and said, I'd like to volunteer with you. I said, great, come with us. We then ran into her assistant manager and I said, you know, what do you do with the bananas that you guys that are perfectly good but have some brown spots right. because we throw them away? I said, is there a way that we can start a box there from Walgreens and Sylvia can then... And he's like, yeah, let me talk to corporate about it. And, of course, his fear was they were going to get sued. But it's it's already been put in place now. So that, so the ball I love is, it. How long, when did you start doing this? So I only thing? started was doing it Christmas, it Christmas Eve? Eve. Yeah, I love it. Uh, That's amazing. Yeah, it's a nice Christmas story for a Jew. It is. <laughs> but it's lovely. And how long does it take you to pick up the pizza and do that? Actually, I mean, you know, usually it's under an hour. Right. I'm outside. It's up and down hills. I'm... I'm uh, so it's great exercise. Yeah, I'm bending down and standing. What are your up. interactions like with the people? So it's very it's it's uh, very peaceful and direct. I just go up with a smile and say, "Would you care for a slice of pizza?" I mean, everybody says yes. Who doesn't love pizza? Yeah, Shit. I worked for years as rice lady and uh, <laughs> curry without worry, but it was all vegan, <laughs> and not everybody wanted that. But everybody wants pizza. Um, that sounded like a line from something. I worked as rice lady at Curry Without Worry. But that's really a thing. That's really a thing. Was it a charitable thing like this? Yes. It's, oh, awesome. it's every Tuesday night. I love there. it. But um, the, the thing is that I would say 99.93% of the people are, are uh, very gracious and grateful. And, you know, everybody is like, oh, God, thank you. And... Uh, I mean, I just, what's nice is I usually have, uh, a, a, um, it's 
since it's all the different pizzas that were left over, I can I say, would you care for a slice of pizza? They say, yes, thank you. And I, I say, well, I have pepperoni, <laughs> pesto, pineapple. Uh, right, you and, have a variety. Yes, so people could say, I'll, I'll take uh, pesto. And if it's been interesting, if they're sort of hesitating because they can't decide, I usually say, you know, you're welcome to take both. And almost always people will say, no, I know there's a lot of other hungry people. They'll take, they'll just take one. That's really yeah, amazing. Yeah, and so that other 1%, I mean, I try, it's funny, even people who are, are tripping, I, I get a little, I'm, I'm frightened of the crack heads, the heroin people are pretty chill. You can tell the difference between the heroin people I've and the I've learned, people. you know, wow. and of course meth people don't have teeth. And right. So, um, but what's really interesting, you know, it's mostly people who are mentally ill, and right. I mean, it's very sad, but but an interesting phenomenon is even people who are talking to themselves, when I come up, and I try and keep a respectful distance mm-hmm. and whatever, and I, I just say, you know, would you, would you care for a slice of pizza? They will snap out of it and look me directly in the eye and say, yes, thank you, and take it, and then go right back into their... Um, Whatever their other level was. Yeah, which wow. is really interesting. There's something either very fundamental about offering food, um, or I'm just another voice in their head. <laughs> that um, It sounds like they snap out of it and have a yeah, moment with you. Yeah, it's snap out of it. I mean, that's the hope, is that... Um, is that I mean I'm not a social worker I'm not a narc it's you know it's very hard for me to go into alleys and see people sitting with a stolen bicycle and a this yeah. and that because you know we've had a lot of break-ins to our mailboxes and everything else and I I, I have to kind of go la 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 this is a person they're hungry you know I, I what feel neighborhood like, are you in well that's the funny part I'm in a fancy neighborhood yeah. but it's my neighborhood now even I live on Knob Hill. Right. I live in a rundown, um, I mean, I have a slumlord, but I, I've been battling, as you know, the evil Mr. Fong for yeah. 20-some years. <laughs> but they're selling my building, that's why I might come. That's why you might move to L.A. That's why, because what they do is they target. I'm now the old lady upstairs with a cat. Yeah. And so what happens all over San Francisco now is somebody buys the building and they do a faux owner move-in to the person paying the lease who's been there the longest and you have 80 year old women all over san francisco now who have been ousted by the people that buy the thing they can yes. do that yeah. yes all artists have been booted out all i mean you should you got to come up and see it's 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 a it's bummer unbe- it's a it's unbelievable what's happening there but i you know i want to dig in and still help and try and do and whatever but they don't know what to make of you know, it used to be a whole city of free spirits. Right. And and in praise of that. And then it got very patronizing about it. Like, oh, you're right. That's nice, you know. And now it's hostile towards how dare you be poor and live here. Oh. I know. That must feel awful. It feels awful. I, You know, they don't know what to make of me. I mean the only reason why I want to make it a little bit more legitimate, you know, either wear a t shirt that says pizza lady or whatever, is that they can't tell I'm not a crazy lady right. coming up to poison them. Um so because it, you go I went from being considered 
sort of free spirit, independent, semi-hippie, you know, whatever you right. want to call Artists, it. Right, creative, Art, Creative, yes. uh, or just your run-of-the-mill person up in right. San Francisco, to now being, they if they see someone like me, I must either be homeless or a cat lady or whatever, because they... We don't exist anymore because wow. we can't afford to be there. So what and you're we not doing? you don't present as like long gray hair and braids. Like you, you're oh, but it, perfectly it, normal person. Well, I, but you in know, San Francisco, you scream. Yeah, it's it's one at least once a week. Um, I have some sort of humiliating experience you know even like even well even okay so once a month i'm bread lady <laughs> I, I don't want it to sound like i'm you know you're doing, doing nothing, amazing but, things no, no, i admire that, it that, it's so just, good that was just once a month at, right. at this uh church at saint martin's um i'm bread lady and the last couple of months when i've shown up to uh volunteer they've handed me a ticket they wow. thought i was one of the people because also um you have a lot of people who normally wouldn't have been homeless who are homeless now, so they can't tell. And when I make that mistake, when I offer to somebody who turns out is just some hipster or whatever, right. I I try and just pass it off like, oh, I'm offering to everybody. Right. <laughs> you, know? you can't. You, yeah. you can't. Well, and I do anyway. Right. Even anybody who passes me on the street and goes, ooh, pizza, yeah. I'll, I'll say, would you like a slice? You know, And they're always in total shock that someone's offering but i imagine if it were 1967 and i was walking down the street going would you care for a slice of pizza everybody would be going oh cool you know yeah right i mean it would be free love yeah free love free pepperoni exactly now but go back going back to the naming thing how did you decide that that's something you were good at and that you could make a job out of it so i was down here writing for game shows and a friend who was in marketing up in uh, San Francisco. Branding right. was just starting. Right. Right? And she would call, uh, Judith Wright is her name, she she uh, would come up with new product ideas. She had a right. very cool job. And she would call and she would say, hey, I need a name for a salad dressing. And I, I'd be like, oh! You know, and then... And you, you had I mean, your marching orders. And again, you, would you know, you would be perfect right. for this, right? So, um, so then... Um, when I decided I didn't want to be in L.A. anymore, uh, Designing Women had been canceled. Right. Uh, all my friends had died. You know, it was a little... I just... I wanted out you in a way. A I needed a change. And I asked her, I said, is there such a thing as a namer? You know, I don't want to interview housewives about marketing. I don't want to be in advertising specifically. Although, I, it's interesting. I've come full circle because when I was little and watched Bewitched, I used to think Darren's job was the coolest thing yeah so glamorous yes well i didn't i didn't know from glamour i thought from puns for example i just one episode that stays in my mind i don't know what had happened but for some reason there's a unicorn in their living room right and larry tate the boss comes over and he has to explain and and he's he said well i'm working on this new car campaign and it has a unique horn or something right something like that and i thought oh that I like that. I yeah, like that the way was that in the back worked. of my head. Yeah. But when I was old enough to go into advertising, I suddenly realized that the majority, ninety percent of it, was uh, for uh, liquor. Yeah. I, I don't drink. Um, American cars. Right. Ick. Um, and uh, I mean, you know, uh, cigarettes. Right. Uh, it was all, and I kept thinking, oh, well, I'm not going to 
after that. Oh, I don't want to do that one. Then I realized there's no product <laughs> that I feel I could. 100%. Like 100%. But I've since sold out many times. Oh, over, yeah. Unfortunately. I just, you know, so that was the thing. I asked her, I said, is there such a thing as a namer. being a namer? And she said, yeah, it's starting and San Francisco's the epicenter of it. And, um, well, there wasn't specifically naming. It was branding. And right. It's the tail end of it or the beginning. So I wrote to um, a company called Lexicon. And I said... You know, you don't know me, but I love language. I love words. Um, uh, I would love to do this. Try me for free. And um, and they said, oh, we need a clothing line, and we need it to be uh, an Italian man's name. And at that time, and I don't know if you remember me from that or not, but I only dated men half my age who were Italian. So there you go. That's my dream. That's my dream. I haven't achieved it. So I have a dog named Enzo. That Enzo, counts. It counts a lot. So did like, you what come you, that's why I came over tonight. Yes. I said specifically. I, yeah, I you want to meet somebody Enzo. Somebody was named Enzo. I'm here. Now, how was that? Did you get that gig? Did you? Yes. Why I, did you well, name it's it? A free legend. Oh, that gig specifically. Um, did I get that? I don't know. I think I had to just give them a hundred names, right. and then. They chose that. I, you would think I would know if I got it or not, but I, I don't. I don't. But it know. started you off. Started me off, and then, and then they didn't. They decided to go all in house. So I was temping, right. answering phones, and started my own company. Acme Naming, which I think is so funny because Acme is the generic name, right? From you know the Roadrunner Road thing, and so what that's about is see, it's actually my initials. Oh, there you go. I'm Andrea Carla Michaels Nay Eisenberg. Right. But what happened was initially I had no name for the naming company, and I thought that that was terribly ironic and clever and right. funny. And, uh, and and not very easy to look up in the yellow pages. No, and so yeah. people were like, you. And I thought, oh, I could call too clever by half, but people didn't know what that meant. You know, whatever. So I just, I love the irony of not having a name. So that was ridiculous. I'm a very right. terrible business person in that sense. <laughs> so then, um, well, do you know what Acme means? Or no. why the road runner no. has that? Okay, so what happened was when um, everybody used to, when telephone books first came out, everybody wanted to be AAA plumbing. Right. AAA. You wanted to be the roofing. first one in the you thing. You wanted to be the first one in the thing. And then in the 40s or 50s, people kind of discovered uh, the word Acme, which is Greek for the pinnacle, right? right? The Acme, the summit. Right. Okay. And so everything became Acme roofing, Acme plumbing, Acme this. So when Chuck Jones was making the Roadrunner, right. he... It was a spoof on that. And he was sort of making fun was, of everybody jumping on that bandwagon. Right. Everything was from Acme this, Acme that. Ah. So I thought it would be very funny to have a naming company with the most generic name right. you could have, except that the joke within the joke was that it was actually my initials. It worked out beautifully. So it didn't matter what level. And if people balked and said, well, why would you... Uh, name a naming company Acme then I thought okay I don't want to work with this person because they're not going to they're going to be a difficult client right if they're already busting your balls about the name right that they didn't get it they didn't get that there's something and many of my clients don't realize it's my initials until years later and they'll suddenly um, 
So when somebody wants you to name something, how does it work? Do they say, we're going to give you X amount for 100 names? Do you get? Is, yes. do, they, do they pay for quantity, or is it like, if you get the one, then we'll pay you whatever? So that's been a really tough <clears throat> issue, because what is it worth? You know, most people say, let's get a group together with pizza and some beer, and we'll shoot around some names. And then they realize, oh, you know what? It's a little harder than that. Yeah, right? we're not coming up with that good of stuff. And it's tricky, too, because a lot of people <clears throat> are... Um, Startup, so I don't want to charge them. Right. And uh, and then everybody is on word of mouth. I know you're hungry. I'm so sorry. No, I'm good. Okay, so you pass I'm out good. on the couch. <laughs> I know, it's all good. <laughs> so uh, the thing is, it depends on where they are in the process. Right. Usually they come to me when they're already semi-hysterical because they needed the name already right. to go forward and everybody's fighting and um, uh, and everybody hates everything and... Whatever. So it, it depends on where they are in the process. If they're changing their name, I try and find out what their parameters are. If um, if they want something jokey or real or what their goals straightforward. are. Yeah. yeah. So we do a lot of talking, mostly because I try and draw something from their life so it'll really resonate with them. I, a lot of times I have to find out who's actually making the decision because usually it's one guy. He likes to pretend that he's letting everybody have a say, but it's... But it's him. It's him. So, um, and then what I do is I charge a little for my time and for generating 50 names or whatever. And then if they do go ahead and pick one, then I get a bonus, usually if they're choosing, um... So that it's not so much to try me out. Because in the meantime, maybe while I'm coming up with it, um, their hairdresser's boyfriend's first cousin says, hey, why not call it Pooper Scooper or whatever. Right. So that way, at least they get paid a little bit for my time. Yeah. But if, if they are happy um, with the name I come up with, then yeah, then I get a little a little. They bonus. pay extra. Yeah. What kinds of things have you named? So that you would have heard of? Sure. <laughs> so, well, I named an airline that has now gone defunct. Hopefully not because the name. But Vanguard Air was the old People Express. Okay. Come back. There was a parasite-proof potato from Monsanto. Right. Uh, New Leaf. Nice. I don't know if uh, my favorite name, um, my cousin, uh, David... Uh, who speaks backwards. Right. And he uh, had a game where it was backwards and he needed a name for his toy company. Right. And um, I wanted a word that would read the same forwards and backwards, some sort of palindrome. Um, but uh, we came up with fun enough. But the nice part about fun enough um, was it's not only the same forwards and backwards, but the way you can write it it's the same upside down and right side up wow so if you enough is e-n-u-f yes oh fun enough is amazing so and i liked it because his last name he has the worst last name in the world his last name is Führer, as right. in mine okay you know, even though he's jewish it just means leader but i liked that it started with the f-u yeah of, of his name but fun enough is just fun to say fun enough yeah that's my favorite name you crushed it with that that is that is why you bring in the big bucks that's why you can be I bring in the little bucks I, don't, I didn't charge him I didn't charge him oh. he's my cousin I mean my mother and his mother are twins that's amazing and uh, no I'm a, I, <clears throat> the reason why 
I'm one step from, you know, the pizza thing is, is that I never, I never charge. I mean, sometimes if it's really corporate, right. I'll try, then I'll try to. You've got to. But most of the time I'm like, oh, I just want you to have a good name. I yeah. hate for things to have bad names. I know. I, you with names are like me with fonts. If I see a typeface or a font that offends me, it's bad. It's like, I can't even, I, like if a movie has a bad font, I'm like, that movie's not going to be any good. I mean, look at that font. Yeah. So. Or look at the name of the movies. I yeah. think that's how I started. Yeah. Remember Kaneskoyati or whatever? Oh, Koyanskatsi. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, no, I should have, I would have named that fun enough for something. Right. And, and what's the Abfab movie name? I think it's just, I don't know. The See, it's a bad name. Nobody, I can't even remember it. I, I think it's just app that. I don't even know I if it has a name. I don't think it is. No, I, th- I think If it there's has a, name, a name, like, I don't know, whatever. Um, so when you wrote on Designing Women, mm-hmm. how, were you there the whole time? No, I was brought in um, uh, almost the last season before right. it got canceled. I, you again, killed Designing I had, Women. I killed Designing Women. Uh, I mean, I was even on after Delta Burke. Yeah. Um, so, um, was no, it what fun, happened though? with that? Well, it was interesting. So that that one is done differently from other shows. Uh, Linda Bloodworth Thompson wrote every episode the first right. five years. She's a genius and um, didn't really get any credit for that. And after six years, when she was getting involved in the Clinton campaign and everything right. else, um, she brought on Pam Norris, uh, who's this writing genius, wonderful. She wrote. Troop Beverly Hills. Oh, right. Um, okay. And uh, um, actually, we, we went to Harvard together, and uh, Pam was the successful version of me. Like, I was on Jeopardy, but I lost. You know, Pam won four times. Yeah, <laughs> I was offered uh, yeah. an internship on Saturday Night Live that fell apart, but Pam wrote for the show for a year right. or whatever. Oh. So what happened was uh, her husband, who was a friend of mine, a fellow comic, Paul Clay, um, I was... Uh, in a, a writing workshop with my old uh, beau at Warner Brothers, and um, we got an agent, whatever. And they and I had had dinner with Pam and Paul probably every week for five years, but they never said, "Hey, what are you write, up to?" Yeah, you should write for us. Right. It wasn't until um, we were selling our first script that they said you know how it works in LA. right nobody yeah. wants you until you've Just already sold else, somebody, yeah, somebody you know, else whatever. Right. yeah so then um uh she said you know would you like to um write a spec script for us or or i guess it wasn't spec script it was a script script um, but I loved that show because it was by women about women how women actually spoke yeah uh political uh, it was right in your sweet spot. It was, and and they didn't have a, a, a writing room. Yeah, no. So um, the um, I think they did the very very last uh, year. There was a couple of writing teams. So um, I only um, did a couple of uh, scripts uh, for it, and then um, and then it was canceled. Who's your favorite designing woman? So well, it's interesting because. Dixie Carter made every line 83 times better than you wrote it. And she was politically really conservative in real life. 
Really? And she had all those Very features. conservative. Wow. And so I really loved her because she was such a consummate professional. It was everything she didn't believe, and she was... She would sell laying it? the hell out of it. Wow. And for me, I know everybody loves Annie Potts, but her line readings were, you know... As as a former stand-up, the reason why I did stand-up was, you know, you get to write it, you get to deliver it, you right. get the feedback, it's your voice, it's your this. I never wrote for anyone else. Right. So, when, um, so, like, say say any line at all, like, what would be... The garden is overgrown with weeds. Okay. So, um, so, so say you wrote, the garden is... And that's the punchline. Um, so the punchline was going to be like, well, the garden, it's overgrown with weeds. Right, right. For example. Okay. And she would say, the garden is overgrown with weeds. Or something. I don't know she what she would, would do. She would do fucked I don't up know. mind readings. I, they weren't fucked up. It like worked and people loved her. But I couldn't. I, it was, I was never like, the way her. you. It's never the way it sounded in your head ever. At, all, which actually is my fault because you're writing for a character that's established and right. it's their rhythms, it's their, uh, I mean, that's the whole point of being able to uh, write a sitcom, right, is you have to have... You need to be able to match their thing. Their voice. But I never got... You never got the Annie Potts thing. I never, I, I would just, I felt, uh, and the other thing that happened that you would appreciate in this is the first episode I wrote was uh, a coming of age, um, Annie Potts is, um son was going to be taken hunting for the first time right by her brother oops are we over we're all good okay sorry no worries keep going okay so uh blake um i want to say blake clark is that his name i can't even remember his name anymore he's a big sort of tough he was a very good actor anyway i'm sorry i'm forgetting his name but he played her brother and he was coming to take her son on a hunting trip. And right. she didn't want him to go because of guns and whatever. And uh, But actually, um, I had it be that um, really it was that she was jealous and hurt that her father always took her brother and never her. Right. And they had that real close bonding time and everything. So she decides he can go, but she wants to come with him. And it was supposed to be a whole coming of age and, right. and a Realizing, woman working out healing, her issues. Yes. With It wasn't about guns. It was about time with daddy and right. this whole thing. Well, uh, Dixie Carter, who was my favorite actress, didn't want to do this whole line about realizing she was eating venison and running off to vomit or something. She decided that wasn't ladylike. And then Linda Bloodworth Thomason, after the um, Anita Hill hearings, um, came back to designing women all feisty and wanting right. to whatever. And they essentially threw out my script and made it that all the women were going to go on the hunting trip and they were going to have sex with the brother and a deer ends up getting killed and whatever. I mean, literally, the only thing that remained of my script was Just Say Doe, which was uh, the title. And I still get 20 three years later, whatever this is, 25 years later, I still get residuals for like $42 and 30 cents every whatever. But it, no, it's awesome, but it it killed me because it was, I know you have a hundred stories like that, but it was that thing where I tried 
to make a thing that was about something. I mean, it's still funny, but be about something. Right. And then it was tossed out and rewritten and my and, name. And barely and, recognized. Right. And then the second script was supposed to be a metaphor about AIDS, that Dixie Carter is... is Because at that time, my friends were very sick, and... Um, She's reaching for something, and she falls off a stool, and she breaks both ankles, and she's in a wheelchair, and everybody around her changes how they deal with her. And it was supposed to be uh, a metaphor for friends, you know, who were getting very, very sick, but they're still the same person, and they are who they always were, but other people either decide that they're also now... uh, you know, yeah, they freak out. They change. Yeah, I mean, in the, when you see someone in a wheelchair, some people think, oh, they should go play. Um, some people use it, like Delta Burke would use it to get first on the plane. And right. someone else, you know, it's more like, well, yeah. So, but it was that same sort of thing, and they ended up changing it to, like, wacky things that happen in, uh, uh, with, when you're in did a wheelchair. The, did they make the uh, episode? Did they they made it? it, but I don't think I don't get residuals. For they, they didn't like how much. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's still playing on Lifetime right. in Japan or wherever these things exactly. are. I mean, thank God for the Writers Guild. That's all I can say. There you go, Writers Guild. Um, right. I, well, yes, I've had a complicated relationship with them, but I'm I'm glad to be a writer and a member of the Writers Guild. Um, but I wrote on a show called Love Spring International. Speaking of Lifetime, and. One of the episodes that I sort of, I think I came up with a main story, was it was set in this dating office in Tarzana, and it was Jane Lynch and Wendy McClendon Covey or whatever, and and my the plot was that they would rent it out this room in their office for extra money to a masseur, uh-huh. played by Michael McDonald, and then they find out that he's a demuler, so he drug mules come into him, and he gets the drugs out of their ass right. and sends them on their way, right? Well, that's it, a job. That well, I guess so. Was somebody? What's going to happen to the? You know, the mules go to him, and um, Lifetime. They had approved the script, the outlines, whatever. They they never they shot it. They wouldn't air it. They found it offensive, so it never yeah. aired on Lifetime. But it's available on iTunes. But it's that thing of like the thing that you worked on, and then it's like, oh yeah, we're not even gonna, we shot it. We're not going to air it. Yeah. But I do. I get a, an occasional residual check for that. <laughs> um, and then do you? Put it back into drugs. I mean, is well, it no, fall? they're so small that the ATM won't take them. Oh, that's Once funny. it broke, they're like eleven cents, seven cents. Oh, that's really. And funny. I had like seven of them, and maybe I can buy a stamp with them. But I deposit them because I'm a writer. Damn it! Um, you had a correspondence with Woody Allen when you were fifteen. Yes. Break it down. What right. happened? Are you sure you don't want to eat? No, I'm good. I'm good to go. I'm all good. Because we got my, my the dog's at the trainer. He's going to come back here pretty soon. Okay, so we're good. I'm All fine. Right. Enzo. So when I was a little girl um, in the '70s in Minneapolis, right. um, I I was a peculiar little girl, I guess, because uh, my, my parents were New York Jews. Right. So, but I didn't know that. I just thought I was different from all these beautiful Swedish girls, right? <laughs> because. I was academic. I, you know, my parents were from New York. I, it wasn't. I didn't. Weren't, you I didn't, didn't know. Like I didn't know I was a Jew. That I was right. simply a Jew. Right. So I read some of Woody Allen's pieces in the New Yorker, 
it must have been about 13 or 14. And they were the first things that ever made me laugh out loud. Right. And uh, I didn't really like his movies. I mean, this is pre-Annie Hall. This is a long long time ago. Um, But then the New Yorker did a profile on him, a 10-page profile. This must have been around 1974 or so. And in the middle of this, you know, 20,000-word essay or something, there was just one line in it that said that he played clarinet every Monday night in Michael's Pub in New York. Right. So I, I went to New York for all my vacations to see my grandparents right. and everything. And each time it was, do you want to do something special this time? And, oh, I should tell you about the Liberace thing when I was a little girl. But anyway. Holy shit, um, yes. Uh, so, yeah, because I didn't even know what gay was and yet understood. And I remember he, he leaned down. I was six years old. And we were sitting in the front row and he had this big chandelier uh, diamond ring and the uh, a grand piano watch, and he went, this is what you get if you practice. He said that to you? Yeah. Where were you? Did you go see the show? Yeah, we were, I don't know, we were in Florida at some, you know, hotel, right. Fountain Blue or something in 1965. I mean, this is a long time ago. But you remember it vividly. Oh, yes, I remember him vividly. I had never seen anything like him. I right. didn't know what he was, but it was, you know, it was fabulous. Yes. fabulous. Amazing. Yeah. So I have very hip grand, well, very hip grandmother. Yes. And so um, when I was in New York that time, I was in 10th or 11th grade, and I said, I want to go to Michael's Pub. Um, there's this man, he's, his name's Woody Allen, and uh, I mean, I was, I was in awe of him because I thought, here's a man who's, um, I didn't know from his stand-up or anything. Right. I had only uh, read his um, pieces, his short stories. But I thought, wow, he makes movies. I mean, he's sort of you. He was like a comic. <laughs> he made movies. He gets paid. He, he was a musician. Right. He was, you know, it, I guess I didn't know then that that I would also try and lead an eclectic life right. or whatever, but there was something I had you just... connected to him in I had, I just thought, wow, yeah, this does everything. And of course, like you said with Madonna, in my head, it's like, I'll meet Woody Allen, we'll become friends, and, right. um, you know, I just... It's it never it, it never occurred to me that we wouldn't. Right. You know... I mean, I remember when we would go to his movies, uh, you could literally, because this is Minnesota, you could point out there would be maybe four people laughing in the whole place. It would be Jew sitting here, one here. Right. You know, that scene in Annie Hall where they're at the table with the Grammy and she's imagining him with the payases right. discussing the tax sale. I mean, there was dead silence in Minnesota. They, they, <laughs> it was a documentary to them. It wasn't... It wasn't remotely funny. It wasn't remotely funny. I remember seeing the film years later in Boston and people were screaming, yeah. laughing at different things. And then in New York, they were laughing at totally other things. The first time I saw a Woody Allen movie in New York, I remember having to sit through it a second time because people were laughing so much, I missed all the lines. And I thought... Well, I'll see it again to hear what I miss, not knowing that they would all be laughing. New audience, same laughing. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I talked to him about that once, and he said it was because 
Annie Hall was the most middle class film he had ever made. How interesting. So wait, tell me how you got to Okay, sorry. So so what happened was um, I was in New York and he wasn't famous then. So uh, we went to Michael's Pub and I was sitting with my grandparents and uh, he was... You were old enough to get in or... it didn't you know, matter. It's funny. I think it didn't matter. I think because they served food, right. you didn't have to be 21. Right. We're sitting up front, and um, they're like, uh, they say, um, you know, go talk to him. Go talk to him because he, um, he's on a break. And suddenly, for the first time in my entire life, I'm shy. Right. But I go up, and uh, I stand there, and I say... Um, uh, I'm visiting from Minneapolis, and he's like, oh, do you know Henry Blackburn? And I said, Dr. Blackburn? He works with my father. His wife is a French teacher at my school, and he goes, oh, he, I play jazz with him there. And what a small, w- random a, world. It was a small, random world, and, um, and uh, I said I was there visiting with my grandparents, and then... Um, I go back and sit, they play more, and they take another break, and he comes over to the table, and uh, I say, you play really beautifully, and then stop, I can't think of anything to say for the first time in my life, and my grandmother is trying to help, and she's like, when are you guys playing again? He said, in about 20 minutes. So he's standing there, and I'm sitting there, and he then turns to talk to other people but he leans against the back of my chair right so i'm sitting there going ah woody allen is leaning against the back of my chair and i can't think of anything to say right but you're young i was very young yeah i was 14 or 15 so i go home and i'm bummed because I'm thinking, like... Because you had a chance and you blew it. I had a chance and I blew it. And so I sat down and I wrote him, God, it probably was like a, you know, a 20-page letter about how I was so happy to know that he was a writer and a comedian, but also such a wonderful musician. And I was there with my grandparents and it was so wonderful to meet him, you know, just on and on. And I remember fussing over, if I send it tomorrow... And it gets to Michael's Pub on Friday. Will they hold it? Will they hold it? You know, and if I wait and it comes and whatever. And so that was that. I went back to Minneapolis. I never heard a thing. And then, um, and then a couple months later, I get, I get a letter, uh, in the mail saying, um, I receive a reasonable amount of fan mail, but I don't think I've ever received a letter as nice as yours. And I enjoyed meeting you at Michael's Pub, and I hope you'll come back, and blah, blah, blah. So um, so the next vacation I went, and we went again. And uh, oh, those, are you referring to the pictures that I had on Facebook? No. Oh, did you know? Oh, I, I, know. I just posted on Thursday a throwback Thursday from Cafe Society. Oh, I love it. Okay. Yeah, if you... If you I'll Go check to it my out. Facebook page. Okay. Um, but um, uh, so I went up again, and by this time he had become sort of famous. Right. I, I think Andy Hall had come out and right. all this. And uh, 
there was starting to be, but you could still go up to him. Right. It wasn't all, now it's, you know, roped off and right. whatever. And I went up and he was reading a letter and then he starts tearing it up and he's like, um, and I said, oh no, that <laughs> I, I'm like somebody who once wrote to you, uh, and he said, well, he goes, these people, they're inviting me to their son's bar mitzvah, I've never met them, whatever, and, right. um, and then, um, he says, I can't remember if this was our first conversation or, or this later one, but he asked, um, why I was there. He goes, you're, you, 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 you're so young. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, who knew, right? Right. So, exactly. And I said, well, um, I said, I, I was reading um, The New Yorker, and you were the first person who made me laugh. And he said, oh, have you read um, Robert Benchley? I said, did he write Jaws? And he said, no, that was his nephew. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Peter Benchley. And he said, but Robert Benchley was, uh, he said, who he learned everything from. And he was a writer at the round table. He told me about the Dorothy Parker and S.J. Perlman. And, I mean, it was really actually um, uh, about books. And uh, he recommended people That's I so should cool. read. And then... He said, "You know, you 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 should be dating boys your own age." And I remember at the time thinking, "Well, I am." Like I, he introduced that element to what like was there. You were not even thinking. You were yeah. not. <laughs> yeah. You weren't. You well, weren't coming on to him or anything no, like that. No, I was. I went to an all-girls school. Right. I had only sisters. Right. I had never been with a boy. He took it there. Yeah, I was. I had just gotten in contact, so. Um, but I had, nobody had, um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I had never had a boyfriend or It was the furthest anything. thing from your mind. Yes. And then he invited me to his office, and he was, I'm sure, thrilled that I showed up there with my grandmother. <laughs> and he gave me a copy of his album, his stand-up album, which right. I, I still have. And, uh, and then we just started writing to each other. I didn't know at the time, I didn't know until years later, that he had all sorts of correspondences with very young girls. Some were like eight years old, even. So you must be mixed up about it. Right, oh, I was totally... It was amazing that it happened, and you admire his work, and he meant so much to you, and yet also it's a little... Well, and then when the whole Soon Yi thing happened, it was like... And everything since then, it's like... Talk about conflicted. Yeah, I mean, it was just... uh, uh, but I mean, I totally, I totally believed it that he had inappropriate relations with his daughter because he he didn't seem to have any. But I mean, but but we wrote we wrote for years, and then um, uh, and and at the time when I then went to college, I thought I was going to go to law school. I mean, I never I wasn't interested in show business or right. anything. I I wanted to go and you know, change the world and help people. And, and that's what you did in the seventies. If you were right. a bright woman, you, you know, you went and, uh, you, you became a lawyer. Right. Um, and so, but I remember, I remember years later when I was actually a comedian and, uh, I 
was in New York, and I went to see him. And at that time, uh, they weren't letting people come up. Right. And I slipped a note to the maitre d' saying I was there, and he he said he said to come up. And he was very funny. He said, um, "I said, is there any chance you would come to the table and meet my friends and sister?" And um, he goes, "I, I can't because it's, it's a zoo here." And da 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 da. He goes, "I'll tell you what." You stand at two o'clock by the maitre d' stand, and I'll when I take a break, I'll act like I'm going to the bathroom, but then I see you, and it's a surprise, and then I can come over, and I'm like, what? Where? <laughs> you know, what? right? You know, he had like He's this whole, whole scene. Yeah. So I go back to the table, and they go. So is he coming over? And I said no, because it's all crazy now when my sister who's really mean was like oh I knew you didn't really know him and you know whatever so, right. so we are leaving and I said well wait why don't we just stand here for a second we can get a, a better view um, and uh, so we're standing by the maitre d's table and he takes a break and he starts coming over and he's like Andrea <laughs> he did it he delivered yeah, yeah. so but then, as I got older, he lost interest. But what was interesting is uh, when I told him I had become a comedian and that I wondered if all those years ago it was a, an unconscious um, influence right. on his part. And he said, he was very sweet. He was like, I don't know how you guys do it. He goes, in our, in our day, you know, we went up and we just said, he goes, here there's, there's hundreds of, uh, everybody's, a comedian, there's not that many places. And right. In other words, he, he had compassion for you because he thought it was harder than yes. what but what I would think to. it'd probably be a little harder going up between strippers. Yeah. Or, or I'm thinking Lenny Bruce. But I right. think he did too. Yeah. I think that's... Uh, which is interesting because in all of his films, all the strippers and prostitutes and whatever are all these very sweet girls with hearts right. of gold. And, right. He Mighty Aphrodite's. And again, in Cafe Society, yeah. I don't know if you've seen it yet. I have not. It's a really dreadful... I hear it's not good. Um, oh my God, is it not good. I hear it's like one the first draft and not even like a good script. Well, first of all, Jesse Eisenberg, my real last name, no right. relation, is utterly without charm. Right. And there's an initial scene where he's with a, a prostitute and it's... I think it's supposed to be... I don't Leave know it. what it's supposed to be, but it's, it. you Bad end boy. up really disliking him and everything that follows. But, I mean, it, there's a few good lines, and it, it's just... I went because... Uh, I mean, I don't go... I, you know, I used to religiously go. Right. Well, you have to go to one a year. It's a lot. Yeah. I used to... There was... I had never missed one. And then and then the whole Sunyi thing, and then I think deconstructing Harry sort of... I drew a line at... You were was, done. I was done, and then, but occasionally I feel obligated, because in high school, you He's know... He's a part of your past. Yeah, I was the girl who wrote to Woody Allen. That's so, amazing. You know, it was, um, uh, it's very Zelig-like, actually, you know, that's the irony. I, you should see this picture, because in one of the pictures, oh, the reason why there are pictures is... So I was talking to him, and I hear somebody say, Andrea, but it wasn't my grandparents. And I turned around, and a flash went off. And they said, sit with him, sit with him. So I sat down, and just as I sat next to him, somebody comes up from the side and says, oh, I loved 
horse feathers, and he kind of turns and he goes, it was without feathers. So there are two pictures. One, he's looking up at me, and I'm looking over my shoulder. And the other one, I'm sitting next to him beaming, but he's like turned away to talk. It looks like I snuck in there. And what had happened was the PR person was there and had gone up to my grandparents and said, she looks like she's really happy, and do you think she'd like a picture? And my oh, grandpa was so like, nice. I'll send you a shirt. He was in the shirt business. and So it I'm really happy. Out. Yeah, I'm happy to have those pictures. So every once in a while, so because of Facebook, I trotted out these pictures. The Woody Allen of, pictures. Of when he was about 40 then, and I was about 15. And wow. And there you, you, had a, you had a moment. You had a thing for a while. We had a little. You had a correspondence. We had a little thing. Yeah, so, but it was, you but it was a very above board thing. I mean, it really was. The letters were about who I should read, and that's so amazing. Yeah, it was. It was. It's funny. It's. I mean, that's why I'm. I'm so grateful that you even asked because to to come and talk because I um I have a very simple life now. I mean, literally, I get up, I I uh, deliver pizza. Right. I come home. Sometimes I make a puzzle. Sometimes I have a job. Most of the time I don't. I try and have dinner with a friend, you know, maybe go to a movie. But it's a very, uh, but I look back and I don't want to have the best years having been behind me. But right. they, they are. Right. <laughs> I mean, sadly, I saw, I mean, that's what I posted on Facebook. It was like, why was I more interesting at 15 than at 55? Because I look at that picture of me with him. I have long, curly hair. I look a tiny bit like Mia Farrow in it. And, um, and, uh, and yeah, I was a You do look a bit like Mia Farrow and, now that you mention it. Well, more so when I had shaved my yeah. head and whatever. But, you know, when he turns everybody, which kind of fits the narrative because she looks like a young girl. Yeah. She's not a mature woman. In, no, she was even, she's very girlish. Even in, like... Purple Rose of Cairo, even in his movies. So, And it was, I freaked out in, uh, I think it was Manhattan when he says to Tracy, why aren't you with boys your own age? I was like, that's what he said to me. Yeah. You know? So so it was it was sort of interesting. And it was really interesting that you had that experience. Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, part of, <laughs> yeah, I have, I, as you say, it's complicated feelings about him now because... Um, I, you know, I have all sorts of theories yeah. on, on why and what. A lot of people do. Well, um, we stopped the podcast at one point in there right. because uh, my dog trainer came back with Enzo. So if you hear a dog breathing and <laughs> rattling a chain, so it's because Enzo's back. And if you hear me say, leave it for no reason right in the middle of the podcast, it's because he's doing something he shouldn't be doing. Anyway. And me too. And you too. <laughs> leave it. My thanks again to Andrea Carla Michaels. We're going to have a part two with her that I'll post in a couple days, and uh, we'll get all their other fun stories in there. All right. So this happened. I got a job, right? I know. Like, I work here and there and different freelance things, but whatever. But I, I had a nice... I'm in the middle of a nice... Uh, I think it's like a six-week gig. Um, I'm working on a show called Botch Post-Op, which airs after Botched. And um, Botched is a show on E!, um, and this particular series is botched by nature. So these are people who have had disfiguring conditions since they were born, or we've had one woman who was struck by lightning. Um, they're not people that had bad plastic surgery. Um, they're people that had 
uh, something happened from birth or later in their life. They're botched by nature. And the two surgeons on the show, Dr. Paul Nassif and Dr. Terry Dubrow, give them surgery and, and try to help them with these conditions, many of the things that they've had their entire life. So it's um, the show that I'm working on is a show that airs after Botched by Nature, where the doctors and the host, Heather Dubrow, who happens to be married to Terry Dubrow, and she's a real housewife of Orange County, she's the host, and they talk about the show that everyone just saw, and we have guests on, and we show never-before-seen footage, but um, it's a really great gig. I'm really enjoying myself. The doctors are awesome, and the show really helps people. Like, I, I got to meet a woman this week who was struck by lightning and, and hear how the uh, surgery that they did for her really turned her, her life around and helped her. And um, anyway, it's a, really, it's a really sweet gig. I'm enjoying myself very much. Nice people. It runs for a few more weeks for me. But hopefully uh, it'll come back, maybe. I hope. Um, I'm enjoying myself a lot. So watch for it. Botched post-op. All right, that's it for this week's podcast. Thank you for your patience. I'm sorry I was away for so long. But, you know, a dude's got to make a living, right? All right, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye! Bye!